0: All right, so I'm going to shoot you straight because I'm committed to full transparency on this show. I had already recorded everything, had a banger lined up for everybody, and then, boom, out of nowhere, Josh White, the linebacker from LSU, six foot one, 200 pounds, announces he's transferring to Baylor. So here we are talking about Josh White before we get into our regularly scheduled programming. Folks, this is big. LSU, that's an SEC program. This guy, freshman season 2020 at LSU, Okay, played in 10 games, didn't start, but as a true freshman at LSU, a year after they won a national championship, played in 10 games, had six tackles total. That's not great. Two against Auburn, A&M and Ole Miss. That is great. That's a pretty good list of teams. Four-star linebacker in high school. He went to Cypress Creek in Houston. So, you know, Baylor's no stranger to Cypress. Number 12 linebacker in the nation coming out of high school. Number eight recruit in the state of Texas. 332 career tackles in high school. Eight-ish sacks, three fumble recoveries, right? Nothing crazy there, but 332 career tackles. Number 12 linebacker, inside linebacker, I should say, in the nation, He was the the Houston 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, two-time all-district guy, district MVP as well. That's Josh White's high school profile. But again, his college profile features 10 games playing at LSU. LSU, SEC school, inside linebacker. He's going to be big for Baylor and can step into a role day one, obviously, if he could play in that role, in a role day one at LSU. So, Siaki Ika, Dave Aranda, LSU, Pipeline, Josh White, Welcome to Baylor. All right, that's enough. Let's get back to where we start, Ted. Or where we were supposed to start. I don't know. Cue it. Flo Thamba making a return to the Bears for year number five. Can he lead this team to national championship caliber? This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks. We welcome in Scotty Swingler. Scotty, yeah, we, yeah. We can, we can call you uh, the the Pigskin Preacher, right? Scotty's the Scotty's a, a youth pastor, but sports.
1: You know, I I know you had Blake Blackmar on yesterday, and he called me the tailgate spiritual advisor. So I am open to a number of titles when it comes to this.
0: Chaplain of what? What's McConaughey's at Texas? It's the he's like the, the minister chaplain, of
1: culture, minister of it, culture. It, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're the minister of Baylor locked on Baylor's culture today, folks. Uh, thanks for making locked on Baylor your first listen, as always. And to start your Tuesday today, Flo Thamba announced on Monday that he was returning to Baylor from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, six foot ten, 245 pounds. If you don't know who he is, well, you haven't watched very much Baylor men's basketball, Scotty I always keep it sober. I tell every guest this. I'm going to keep it broad for question number one. Man, as we get into it, Flo thomba returning to Baylor. Did you see it coming? Is this something that you were ready for?
1: Yeah, I sort of did. I don't know what Flo's prospects are like playing at the next level. I, I don't know how much interest he's generating, if he would even get drafted at this point. There there are basketball experts who know more about that than I do. Um, but I'm not surprised he's coming back. He is a cornerstone culture guy on this program. And you, Drake, you've got a huge hole at that spot. There's not a lot of other guys that you're just ready to jump into that role especially with everyday john coming off an injury so i am thrilled and excited and not surprised he's coming back
0: yeah i i having flow back 6.2 points per game this season 5.6 rebounds uh .3 assists so he was getting an assist every 3 games but he shot 55% which for a big man's pretty typical and today is april 5th the anniversary of Baylor men's basketball's national championship. And I'll say this, there has never been a Flo Thamba like April 5th, 2021 Flo Thamba. That guy was the catalyst to a Baylor national championship, and he's going to be on the team again next season.
1: Huge. And I mean, Scott Drew is so good at this, Drake. So older fans like me will remember, there's almost always the big guy that when you look at the stat like and you're like, OK, what? But then when you watch them in the big moments, they are so pivotal. So I remember Baylor's first Elite Eight under Scott Drew, this guy named Josh Lomers. And some of your older listeners will know big Josh Lomers was a catalyst on that Elite Eight team that lost to the national champion uh, Duke team in that in that Elite Eight. Those big guys in Scott Drew's system are pivotal and flows one of the best. And Scotty, you mean by older listeners like
0: anyone above twenty six? I think I was going like, to say I'm
1: twenty nine. So yeah. do I fall in that bracket?
0: <laughs> right for your old for the older demographic out there, Josh Lomers. That's a name, right? That that comes out of the history books. No, I flow. Flow is he's the guy that you've got four fouls at halftime. And you're like ah, that's flow. That's just kind of what flow does. Just let him go. Let him do what he wants. But I think if you look at look at Baylor season post Jonathan Chamwachatua. Jeremy Sohan stepping into the five role. Flo Thamba is obviously your starting five. He's having to play way more and be a way more pivotal piece without Jonathan Chatua. And I, I think he did that well.
1: Well, and if you compare those numbers that he put up this past season to the season before, almost doubled his output in scoring, yeah. you would expect an uh, you know, improvement with more playing time in another year, and he did that. I mean, I think the guy could go up to eight, nine points a game next season. I mean, he's, he is good. We like Flo. We need flow.
0: Yeah, I've heard out there um, people that that talk about flow. The thirty point. Can you get the, to the like the illustrious thirty where it's I think it's like points, rebounds, blocks, steals in a game. It's maybe an Evan A. Bear thing. Evan, if you out there, congrats! There's your shout out. And he this season didn't quite eclipse that, but you could see kind of the development of Flow Thamba. He is to me to. And Scotty, you mentioned doubling scoring output. To me, he's a guy that, has he met his potential? I think he's close. There are some guys that in college, Perry Ellis, for example, is one of those guys that as he got through, he was consistent. He was really, really consistent. There was never a point where you're like, wow, this is Perry Ellis' just culmination breakout because he was just good from jump. I think Flo Thamba meets that, but I'm looking down his, his minutes this season, right? Kansas State, in that game, he played 15 minutes. That game was on... Uh, uh February 9th, right? Then you're looking at 30, 27, 30, 32. Like, as the season goes on, post-Jonathan Chamuchachua, Flo had to step into a different role and be asked more of, and scoring output was there, especially early in the season. Man, he had one pretty good game. Alcorn State, he scored 16. I feel like I could score... A seven, maybe, you know, give me the ball. I'll shoot a couple half court shots against Alcorn, but then he starts putting up double digits consistently he has 18 against Kansas at home. If I know I'm on a, like a rambling rant, if Flo Thomba, my no, thesis, if Flo Thomba doesn't play like he did, if he doesn't develop into the player he did after Jonathan Chama Baylor does not beat Kansas at home or Texas on the road.
1: I don't think that's a bad take. I mean, and it's funny how, Seeing how a team responds from adversity, here's your minister of whatever moment, right? Hmm. In life, in life, you know who someone is based on how they respond to adversity, and it's true of teams too. And and you're absolutely correct. I mean, not only the Baylor basketball team responding to some adversity this season, but Flo Thamba in particular. And and I said it from the top, man. He's a culture guy. He's a Scott Drew guy that that embodies everything that he wants out of his players. um, Knows his role performs his role well. And again, you're right. will be pivotal next season and any aspirations that team has going forward. Yeah. We had
0: Simon Gersberg on yesterday who talked about, and this is the one thing, you know, I, I, the one knock, I guess I'd give to Flo is he does have those games. You're like, gosh, dang it Flo, That's five fouls. And how did you, where were you for that? Like flows on the court. There are those games. A la UNC Simon Gersberg said it Baylor beats UNC a majority of the time when these two teams square off, but in that game, flow Thamba five fouls, what did he have to show for it? No points on O of one shooting, five rebounds, one block, one steal, one turnover. So it depends sometimes on what flow Thamba that you get coming into your games, but obviously having him back is, is going to be pivotal for Baylor next season. And you talked about it culture, a Scott Drew culture guy. And do you think Flo Thamba's got NBA pedigree from what you see? Like, is this guy going
1: to be an NBA player? I, I don't think so. And yeah. again, that's that's my a- very amateur take on, on basketball, okay? But, you know, so much of the NBA right now is positionless players. Mm. It's players that can shoot the long ball. Flo represents more of that classic five. Big guy, take up the lane, get the rebound, block some shots, score inside. He's great at that. I don't think there's many of those guys in the NBA. All of them that can do that are actually pretty multidimensional. Um, but he can make a lot of money overseas. Scott Drew has sent a ton of great Baylor players overseas where they've had 10, 12-year careers overseas. Tweedy Carter just came on staff. Um, that's where he made his money was playing basketball overseas. So, you know, it's not all about the NBA for some of these guys. And, and Flo, man, um, he's going to have a great season next year. Boom. Scotty?
0: Before we get into our next segment, which our next segment's breaking down the wide receiver room at Baylor and what it looks like. I know you get a lot of hot, hot takes on wide receivers, which is a position most folks are wondering about. Before we get to that, speaking of great, built bar. Dude, I'll tell you this. I uh, Everybody has the new year's resolution of like eating healthy and being the guy, that, like this is the year I'm gonna stick to it. And one thing that has helped me stick to that Built bar, right? So it doesn't feel necessarily like I'm, I'm partaking in a resolution because it tastes like a candy bar. But instead of the candy bars that have 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, like a dozen carbs, you get 130 calories, half the calories, four grams of sugar. That's a 26 gram per sugar gram difference. Four net carbs, 17 grams of protein, all in the built bars. Not only that, they have these built bar puffs like fluffy, marshmallowy protein bar, but not a protein bar, because again, they taste like a candy bar. Mint chocolate, brownie, coconut, coconut almond, white chocolate, cookies and cream, name a flavor, they probably have it. Built Bar, look, just try it. Built.com, and if you use promo code LOCKED15, all caps, LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 15, you get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off it. Built, that is Built,
1: Locked on college basketball podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
0: Scotty. uh, Here's where I'm going to enact the pigskin preacher moniker and tab you with that. Just like sticker on the forehead. When it comes to the position that I would say folks know the least about on Baylor's football team and still have not learned a ton in spring practice and that's the wide receiver room. Again, my broad blanket to give to you wide receivers, question mark, and go.
1: So my hot take of the off season, and I've said it since the end of last season, is that this group of wide receivers, we will look back and say that was a deeper group than Art Briles ever had. For comparison's sake, I want to lay out the depth chart from what I think was Art Briles' best receiver room. And that was in 2014. And, and this is a elite group stellar, um, all time. Okay. You're starting. If you have four wide, here were your starters for Bryles in 2014, Antoine Goodley, Corey Coleman, Levi Norwood, Katie Cannon. Wow. What a group behind them. Davion Hall, Clay Fuller, Lynx Hawthorne and Jay Lee. That is a stacked wide receiver room in 2014. I think this room's even better. Uh, You had the four horsemen in that recruiting class. I I don't remember, Drake, if it was 2013 or 2014's recruiting class, but you had the four horsemen. Everyone will remember this. I think it was uh, 2014. You had Katie Cannon, Davion Hall, Chris Platt, and Ish Samora in one recruiting class. They called them the four horsemen coming in at wide receiver.
0: Can we just – Chris Platt and Katie Cannon. The same recruiting class,
1: isn't that wild? Chris Plant's like
0: funny?
1: thirty-three. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Sorry, cut you uh, off. It's awesome. Uh, but but you, I think you had a better four-horseman tandem come in last year, in twenty twenty-one. Uh, last year's class, you had Monterey Baldwin, who True. made the big play in the Sugar Bowl, the by far lowest-rated receiver coming in on that class. Was not even ranked on some sites. Okay. He's a local guy from Colleen that came up to Baylor. And his name's Monterey. I mean, that's a win already, isn't yeah. it? Uh, but you have Elijah Bean, six foot five, can run. You have Javon Gibson, arguably the fastest receiver in the room today. And you had a guy named Cam Bonner, who I got to watch play um, in 2020 against my El Campo Rice Birds. Drake, I don't know if you know, I was doing some work for KULP El Campo at that point. Um, but El Campo has, and I promise I'm almost done. I know now I'm going on my, my rant. El Campo has the number one running back for the class of 2023 in America. His name's Ruben Owens. He also plays corner for them. He probably runs a 4 4, about six foot tall. Cam Bonner blew by him, and had 280 yards and three touchdowns against El Campo in that game that I watched. So I'm telling you, the four horsemen of 2021, this receiver room is stacked, not to mention Armani Woodfield, best receiver we've recruited since, Katie Cannon and Robbie Rhodes, Gavin Holmes, and don't get me started on Jalen Ellis. Um, The theme of this wide receiver room is Unproven at the collegiate level, but loads and loads and loads of talent. And what I'm hearing out of spring camp is despite all those guys I just named, Hal Presley might be better than all of them.
0: Wow. So you're telling me Corey Coleman, who was the best receiver in the NCAA objectively, he has an award. He has a piece of Correct. metal that says that. Yeah. And Kim Mulkey's son-in-law. We're in the same wide receiver room and that room is still not as good as the room that you have today. Now, Scotty, I I'll, I'll pitch this at you. This is all based on what these guys did in high school, right? Cause we haven't seen them at the college level yet. The, the current Baylor wide receiver room, which we will this season. What, what gives you the confidence this is going to transfer over because you can be great in high school and just to be a, you know, a dud and a half in college. I don't think these guys will be,
1: but d-
0: wh- what, legs are you standing on Scotty?
1: Listen, I'm standing completely on potential and, and hmm. forecasting here. So I, that's my disclaimer, man. I'm in the hot take business and anybody who's, who's followed me on Twitter. It's it, or, you're a youth pastor,
0: Scotty. That's, that's, it, that's, not the, that's, hot, it. that's
1: the hot <laughs> take business. Well, and, and, and you know, what can we do? What is more fun than speculating and looking ahead and guessing? right? I mean, let's be honest, but I, in terms of talent, I, I think this group is better. I really, really do. And it's, it's um, there's a lot of confidence that comes with this. So one, a, a big difference between this group and that group is this group. Doesn't need your receivers to make plays every game. Absolutely. Huge difference between this era and that era of basketball. So statistically um, you're not going to have another Corey Coleman that's catching five touchdowns in a game and also playing running back. Like you're yeah. just, you're just not going to have that happen again. And, and frankly, it's for the better. Um, but I think when you, when you look at what this staff did with Tyquan Thornton um, kind of bringing him back from what was a really, really uh, disappointing 2020. And now uh, you know, after his 40 time, who knows how high he's going to get drafted going into the NFL. I think this group knows how to develop receivers. And I think in terms of size, speed, Um, And even the things you can see on high school tape, Drake, route running, getting off the line of scrimmage, some of those things translate really well, despite the level you're playing at. Um, And this is a loaded group. And I've got way more opinions, but I also know we've got a few minutes here. There is time exists (laughs) and it is
0: always of the essence. And you're right. This this is a wide receiver group. Can you run? Can you run a, a good slant? quickly can you run fast and a slant and probably catch the ball i know they're gonna throw the ball a lot to ben stems too and probably drake dabney armani give me me armani on the phone armani winfield is going to be is going to be great i've heard you know blake blackmar said it yesterday armani winfield was a star in the first spring scrimmage but i want to give you this i want to end on this tape. give me this i'm gonna grab this from my wall here this the folks at home can't see it what i'm grabbing is a framed newspaper article And the, the, the top of this article says bears could win big 12. And the date of the date of publication is August 26th of 2019. And it said the Baylor bear football team could accidentally go 11 and one and outlines correctly predicts an unranked projected middle of the pack, big 12 Baylor team to go 11 and one to the big 12 championship. And eventually the, uh, the sugar bowl. So that was the hottest take of takes that I've ever given. And if you don't give them, then, you know, if you don't take chances, if you don't give takes like that, then then what are you doing with your life? You know?
1: Right. So my, my, that's my take, man. That's my hot take going into this season. I've heard a lot of people fret about the receiver room. There's nobody proven at the position fair um (laughs) do we get a transfer wide receiver I'm telling you uh you are going to be blown away by the sheer talent of this group this too deep this season um I don't know that Armani Armani's incredible and he will play I don't know that he starts right now over Hal Presley that's I don't think he does
0: I don't think he does Um, he's a star on the on the twos and maybe he can work his way up but I think you're right
1: so, I mean, I'm telling you, and, and you you hope and pray that Gavin Holmes stays healthy. That's a playmaker yeah. in the slot that, that is a commodity given. And don't count out. I, I think fleeks moving to running back has been seen as a given. I think if he's not one of your top two choices there, he goes right back to playing in the slot. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, you put him on the field and get him the ball. So it's a room that's deep. Wow. So, Scotty, before we get you out of here, question, I, I'm going to give you one
0: word answer here. Does Baylor need one more transfer wide receiver? Yes or no? No. No, there you have it. That is Scotty Swingler. I'm going to call him the pigskin preacher from now on, every time he comes on. Folks, I'm going to call this right now. Last night's national championship game, you all watched it. Who cared? I I watched part of it. It was fine. It was fine. It was two teams that like, you know, whoever wins, wins, whatever. But bet online, I'll tell you this. As we get later, we're now getting into like pro sports. You had NBA postseason is about to start. MLB is about to start. Bet online, number one source for all your betting needs, sports info, latest developments. You got like Masters coming up this weekend. That is a thing that I'll be watching. They have podcasts, odds, reviews for all different leagues as well as the Masters. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports scores. Head to the website betonline.com. It's, it's you can do it on your mobile device, your computer. Bet online, where the game starts. Bet online. Dot com. All right, welcome back. We now welcome on Ryan Boyd, the Baylor baseball color commentator to the show. But first, folks, thanks again for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every weekday. And Ryan, Baylor baseball, man, talk about a team that has just, I don't want to say unlucky necessarily, but that clutch factor has been lacking in weekends past with dropped series against Oklahoma and TCU, most of those games in just heartbreaking fashion but it finally came together against a pretty solid mid-major ETSU team.
2: Yeah, no kidding. You know, I would say above average mid-major, if you were to kind of look at ETSU and what they bring to the table, great offensive team. They had hit a number of home runs. They have uh, good power, good batting average up and down the order. Uh, They had some good wins. Uh, They played Tennessee, the number one team in the country, really closely early in the year. So, uh, you know, big series for Baylor. Uh, and you had to win it. You had to win it. You know, best case would have been a sweep. And that's what they got. But, uh, you know, you're right with the Big 12 record being two and four. And with some of the tough losses, you know, they, they dropped a game earlier in the season against Columbia. That was not a good loss. So uh, you had to get two. really wanted three. And uh, you know, everything clicked. Uh, they played well in all three games. You know, I'm looking back, Ryan, to last
0: season, and it was a series against North Carolina a and It's kind of that same thing. You get a, a mid-major buried in your conference schedule. Baylor goes and wins a series against West Virginia, wins a series against Kansas, wins a series against Texas Tech after that. It was the, the spark plug to kind of the, the mid-half of their, of their Big 12 season. Does it feel like they've come to that point now where the team is culminating in a spot where they need to be going into some of these tougher series?
2: You know, and and we actually talked about it yesterday on the broadcast that the month of April has been a strength for Baylor under Coach Rodriguez. And and it does. It always seems to start with one good weekend. Uh, And again, everything clicked this past weekend. They hit well, uh, which had been lacking. You know, there had been some missed opportunities, some guys left on base, things like that in, in previous series. Uh, They hit well, they scored a lot of runs. Uh, The other big thing is the rotation is seemingly taking shape. You know what Tyler Thomas brings you on a Friday night. Will Rigney's been pretty good on Sunday, but Saturday had some question marks. But, we, you know, it's been finally it it feels like uh, with Kobe Andrade, you've got three guys who are going to give you quality starts. And uh, this is the part of the schedule, you know, West Virginia. Great weekend last weekend against TCU, but that feels like a winnable series. You have Kansas in a couple of weeks that also feels winnable. Uh, obviously, some tough series in there as well. But, yeah, this is the right right moment to get going. Five wins in a row, and, and yeah, certainly I feel like the momentum is there.
0: You know Ryan, for a guy like Tyler Thomas, you mentioned Baylor's Friday night guy, who may be he is one of the premier aces in the Big 12. There's a conversation in the Shrinder, after the Sraners Classic that he could be the best Friday night guy in the conference, 45 innings pitched this season, 44 strikeouts, he's got a 1.59 ERA, has been just great, opponent batting average of 188, but he's four and three. Why?
1: Uh,
2: You know, it's that that's been the big mystery or or been the big concern, right, is that if you have a guy with an ERA below two, you should or you feel like you should win every single time he pitches. And and early on in the season, it was just tough luck. You know, his first start of the season, I go back to that one as the best example, when he faced a good in a ranked Maryland team, he gave up two runs in the first inning. Then went scoreless the entire rest of his start, but Baylor got shut out that day. So it was the offense that was lacking. That's been a story again early on in this season. And it's really, you know, it's been unfair to Tyler because he has been one of the best pitchers in the country. But that that's also the good news, right? Is that all of a sudden over these last five games, the offense has not been good. It's been great. And, and so if that continues, even you know, listen, with the way he's pitching, even three, four, five runs on a Friday should be enough to win most of those games. He he's a strikeout guy he's a guy that can induce weak flyouts and and weak groundouts he he really does it all on the mound so i feel really good about what what he brings to the table as long as the offense can produce a couple runs on friday nights hmm.
0: looking at it kind of looking forward and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but you have dallas baptist now tonight de facto in dallas a team that's in the top 25 in that 20 range and obviously your midweek games don't carry as much weight even going into the postseason like you see teams all the time drop you know a tennessee will lose to lipscomb and you're like what but that's a midweek does this feel like it carries a little more weight than the usual midweek game
2: it does it certainly does and uh and again part of it's a product of just some some slip-ups along the way where you feel like you want to make up for it. You know, you lost a really tough game to Sam Houston State in the midweek earlier this season that you were up in the ninth and, and they ultimately walked off on you. So, you know, you look forward Dallas Baptist is big. There's a there's a, a weekend or a midweek game with Texas State coming up. They've been ranked this year. That's a big one as well. Uh, but yeah, for Dallas Baptist, we, we know what they bring, right? They, they have a good program. They win every year. Uh, right now, they're number two in the country in RPI, which just speaks to the, the, the quality of schedule and the quality of wins that they have. The other thing is they're coming off of a tough, uh, series lost this weekend to Wofford, which was really surprising. Uh, they dropped two out of three. So, you know, they'll be hungry to bounce back as well. So feels like a big game. Uh, pitching is always kind of a question mark for everybody, not, not to Baylor specifically, but in the midweek, it, you know, pitching can be a question mark, but I do think, you know, this is, you circle this one as a midweek that matters. Hmm.
0: Ryan over the sc- the scope of the season for you and uh, again kind of culminating with ETSU this weekend where it feel like felt like Baylor got to relieve some uh some stress in that 15 to 1 Friday night game Of course, for folks, if you didn't see it, they swept the series against ETSU coming off of a couple of, uh, I don't want to say duds, but weird circumstances. And I want to know from you, is it just the game of baseball? Is it that this team has been hexed, but your walk off grand slams where you lose to Oklahoma or being up nine to five late against TCU and losing that game at home? What is it that's kind of been the late game kryptonite for this team? Did they just not have fate on their side right now?
2: Well, you know, I think I think the reality is, and I, I really believe that Coach Rod and Coach Strauss and, and the whole staff would agree with this that there's just there's just still some question marks in the back end of the uh, back end of the bullpen. And Baylor's been really fortunate in recent years where they've had not good back of the bullpens, but literally all American quality back of the bullpens. And so this year coming in, they knew that there'd be young guys, there'd be transfers, you know, some question marks as to the pieces that would fall into place and in at certain moments it's been good, in other moments it's been really rough. And and the other thing that Coach Rod would say is that it comes down to the, you know, putting putting pitches in the strike zone. In a lot of the situations you just spoke about, in particular that Oklahoma game, Baylor was up five to one before giving up a tying grand slam. They walked the bases loaded. So it's been free passes that have really hurt this team in those big moments. Uh so they hope that you know Mason Marriott. Uh, you know, Volker, uh, some of these other guys that, you know, Adam Muirhead, for example, has been getting an opportunity in late innings. Some of those guys in the back end of the bullpen have to start converting or else Baylor's going to find themselves in more situations like they have early on this year. You know, I go back to
0: the, and I had this conversation with Terry, the PA guy. Uh, You have your Troy Montemayors and your Luke Boyds. And if you want to go back to Max Garner, who closed out a few games, and I know listens to the show, you've always had that guy. You're like, sweet. When he comes in, it's over. And now you have Mason Marriott, who I love. I love Mason Marriott, but he's going to walk four or five guys just to make the game close. And then it's kind of a toss up from there. So certainly, I know experience the bullpen is big. Uh, but Ryan, man, I, I want to I just my last question for you kind of a quick hitter here. What is the percent chance that Baylor has right now to make the postseason?
2: I think it's high. I think it's, it's really high. If I had to put a percent, you know, I don't know, maybe 75, 80%. Um, now the big caveat there being that they've got a number of huge series left, obviously Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Um, and then they've got to take care of business. For example, when Kansas comes to Waco, you absolutely have to win that series. So there, there's some you know some caveats in play. But Baylor right now, even with some of those tough losses, they're 37 in the RPI after this weekend sweep. They're in a perfect spot to play in the postseason. They're in the right conference, obviously, with the strength of the Big 12. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to avoid the bad losses, maybe pick up a surprise series win here or there, and they should be in a good spot.
0: Ryan, I love it. Oh, and Tech comes, tech comes to town. Oklahoma State comes to town. Take a few out of those. You'll be fine. Ryan, thanks so much for joining the show today.
2: Drake, I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And, folks, thanks again to you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every day. And tomorrow, Josh Neighbors joins the show from Locked On Big 12 to talk all things Baylor in the Big 12 perspective. And if you're going to make your second listen of the day something, make it Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy, former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. That's Locked On NFL Draft, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, thanks for a great show. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Baylor.